This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hi, I'm Robert Hilburn, and you're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Have a great day. DIY and How Studios presents Real Rock with Andy King. Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Amps go up to ten. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. This next podcast is dedicated only to the beautiful people out there. That means all of you. Welcome to Real Rock. I'm your host, the rock and roll reverend Andy King, and today we'll be discussing the 2018 film Bohemian Rhapsody starring Rami Malek. I will be discussing various points of the film, so consider this your spoiler warning. You can view the film now in theaters, and please go see the movie, because if more people go see it, We get more biopics, and good or bad, rock and roll is always a good thing. Some of the questions we will be answering today are, can Malik escape the biopic imitation curse? What the fuck crawled up Borat's ass? And finally, can a film with this bad of a production history be redeemed? I'm your host, the Reverend Andy King, and this is Real Rock, Bohemian Rhapsody. Not everyone is a star, Freddy. What are you afraid of? You can't get anywhere pretending to be someone you're not. You regret it. No one will play queen. I didn't know his fancy dress for it. You look like an angry lizard. You've got to make an impression, darling. So, tell me, what makes Queen any different from all of the other wannabe rock stars I meet? Tell you what it is, Mr. Reed. We're four misfits who don't belong together. They're playing for other misfits. You're the outcasts right at the back of the room. We're pretty sure they don't belong either. We belong to them. So now the family name's not good enough for you. Changed it legally. Not looking back. We want to do something different. It's my money. I say, what goes? We can't simply repeat ourselves. No, we can do better. Freddie, could you tell us about the rumours concerning your sexuality? Queen, how long can that last? You don't make decisions for the band. Your life is going to be very difficult. My family. We believe in each other. Everything. We're going to do great things. It's an experience. Love. Tragedy. Joy. 
something that people will feel belongs to them. Rock and roll is full of pretenders. At any point in its history, you can throw a dart and hit six wannabes that lacked it. I just threw one. I hit Chad Kroger. Audiences want to be entertained, and we want to feel. We want to be enraptured by a performance and transported to a musical nirvana. The frontman is largely responsible for that. You know what? You know what? I think Jason Lee in the film Almost Famous put it best. Look, I work as hard or harder than anybody on that stage. You know what I do? I connect. I get people off. I look for the one guy who isn't getting off, and I make him get off. Actually, that you can print. Of course, charisma and talent is natural and not learned. No one exemplifies that more than Freddie Mercury. Even through the filter of history and on a screen, Mercury commands your attention. For example, my daughter Jet will literally stop whatever she's doing if Queen comes on TV. As the parent of a toddler, anytime you have something that keeps them quiet, if for only a few moments, it's a godsend. Of course, to the rock and roll world, Freddie was a godsend. No matter if you're young or old, uninitiated or a seasoned rock and roll archaeologist, top or bottom, Freddie has it. His story needs to be told, and Queen's music needs to be exposed to everyone. So a movie seems like a great fit. Now, a Queen biopic had been rumored since the 90s, but nothing ever substantial seemed to come from it. In September 2010, Brian May made the official announcement to the BBC that, in fact, they were making a film, and they had cast Sasha Baron Cohen to play Freddy. If you don't know, Cohen is the madman behind the Borat character and an all-around performance art genius. Here's a clip from the Ali G show where his character Ali G interviews the great Gore Vidal. You is an amazing guy. You ain't just a historian and a writer and a speaker. You was also a world-famous hairstylist. So let's just <laughs> ask a couple questions about that. That's Vidal Sassoon. That's not me. But that's what you go under no, no, as well? No. That's somebody else. I know him, too. All right. So Very nice man. But. All right. Well, these next few questions may make a little bit less sense, but just bear with me. So if you could cut any first lady's hair, which one would it be? No, I've, I've never cut any hair. That's Vidal Sassoon. Yeah. Baron Cohen sure looks a lot like Mercury, and I have a feeling that this film was to be his coming out party as a great actor. Unfortunately, his vision and Queen's vision were not made in heaven. Cohen, appearing on The Howard Stern Show, explains. My first meeting, I should have never carried on because a member of the band, I won't say who, said... Brian um, May. <laughs> I won't say it. Yeah. But he said, you know, this is such a great movie. 
because it's got such an amazing thing happens in the middle of the movie. Uh-huh. I go, well, what happens in the middle of the movie? He goes, uh, you know, Freddy dies. Middle of the movie. I go, all oh, right. I go, all right. <laughs> so you mean it's a bit like Pulp Fiction? You know, the end is the middle, and the middle is the end. Right, I go, all right, right. That's right. really. <laughs> that's a wild. That's a wild movie. All right. That's interesting. I never thought about that. He goes, no, no, no. Normal movie. <laughs> I go, so wait a what happens in the second half of the movie? He said, well, you know, we see how the band carries on from strength to strength. Oh, uh, and I said, listen, I go, not one person is going to see a movie <laughs> where the lead character <laughs> dies, dies from eight and then you carry on. And that would be just the craziest movie. Guys, guys, we've got to carry on. You know, he's right. No one wants to see that. No one wants to see a film about Queen carrying on after Freddie's death. I mean, they're all very talented and have a great story of their own, but you can't really compete with Freddy. When you have a front man, as effective as he was, no one can fill those shoes, Adam Lambert. No matter how talented they are, Adam Lambert, you become pretenders to the throne. Something will always be missing. Adam Lambert. And I'm really glad someone talked them out of that version of the film. But the show must go on and English actor Ben Wishaw was chosen to play Mercury. Wishaw, best known for playing Q in the Daniel Craig Bond films, left this movie seven months in, citing scripting problems. Finally, in 2016, Rami Malek of Mr. Robot fame was selected to play Mercury. I thoroughly have enjoyed Malek on Mr. Robot, but when he was originally cast, I was kind of worried that his subtle style wouldn't translate to the flamboyance of Mercury. How did he do? We'll get there. Brian May thought he did a great job. Also the guy who's playing Freddy, he's Mr. Robot to you guys. He's great, you know, he has the presence of Freddy. He's gonna suspend everybody's disbelief. I think people are gonna see him on screen and disbelieve totally that it's Freddy. Rami Malek, he's called. A revolving door for lead actors is never a good sign for a production. When the directors change out, it's an even worse sign. And oh boy, does this film have a director problem. First, Dexter Fletcher, mostly known as an actor, was chosen. Yeah, he dropped out. Creative differences. Sound familiar? Brian Singer was then chosen to direct. I'm conflicted about Singer's work because I like a lot of it. Apt Pupil, The Usual Suspects, some of the X-Men movies are alright. But I'm still super pissed about Superman Returns. Putting his work aside, he's also allegedly a sexual predator, so, you know, he's a piece of shit. Allegedly. With allegations against him piling up, he began to be a nuisance on set, not showing up, arguing with people, so Fox fired his ass. Dexter Fletcher came back and finished the principal shots and overseeing post-production. That's a lot of drama for this production, and that is never a good sign. But it's not exactly a kiss of death. Check out the history of Wizard of Oz. That had a fucked up production, and that film is amazing. But what about this one? Will it survive the hell it's been through? We'll find out as the Rev takes a trip to the movies. <laughs> this is my best friend, Garth Elgar. Hi. I think we'll go with a little Bohemian Rhapsody, gentlemen. Good call. I see a little silhouette of a man. Got a moose, got a moose, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo! 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 Galileo!
poor boy, nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, sparing his life from this monstrosity. And we're back. And buckle up, diggers, because we need to talk. Unfortunately, I'm not really sure where to start. So this film tracks the history of Queen from Freddie joining Smile to the 85 Live 8 performance. Along the way, Freddie meets Mary Austin, the band gets picked up by EMI, records some tunes, kick ass in concerts, Freddie becomes an intolerable asshole due to his excesses and gets exploited by Paul Prentice, comes to his senses, contracts AIDS, and reunites to perform at Live Aid. And that's the plot in a nutshell. If the timelines there seem off, this isn't real life, this is just fantasy, but we'll get there. I do want to talk a bit about what works in this film. Rami Malek really is as good in this film as you have heard he is. His scenes in particular with Lucy Boynton playing Mary Austin are exquisite. Rami plays over the top when it's appropriate, but he dials it back, in particular with his scenes with Boynton. The band, all together, have a great chemistry, and the most fun you'll have in this film is when they're in the studio together. Higher. Can you go a bit higher? If I go any higher, only dogs will hear me. Try. Higher. Jesus, how many more Galileos do you want? One more, one more. One more. Again. Go on, roll the track. Who even is Galileo? Unfortunately, that's about all you see of the band. They're not given a whole lot to do other than share scenes with Malik. The same could honestly be said about every other character in the film. No one, not even Mercury at times, has any motivation to do anything. They just do things. And beyond that, none of the members of the band do anything wrong. They're perfect in every way. And you know, I'm not saying it's inaccurate. I'm just saying it's unbelievable. On the flip side of that coin is literally every gay character in the film that is not Freddy. When the first trailer came out, there was quite a bit of backlash for quote-unquote straight-washing Mercury's life. In the film, Freddy's sexuality is definitely addressed, but they kind of play it out like it's the worst part of him, and that's not true. Of course, Paul Prentice is actually the film's antagonist as sometimes lover yet full-time exploiter of Freddy, and a lot of this is true, and Prentice is a giant douche, but every gay character is cast as an exploiter of the worst kind. All of Freddy's experiences in the quote-unquote gay community is cast as seedy and dirty and, I don't know, seemed a lot like gay shaming, and it's a little tone deaf, and it doesn't work. Now, they do make a concerted effort to show his positive relationship with Jim Hutton, who lived with and loved Freddy up until his death. Of course, the timeline is fucked up here, having them get together before Live Aid, seemingly while Freddy is on his way to Wembley. Once we all end up at Wembley for the film's climax, we are treated to a condensed recreation of Queen's set. The CGI crowd is a bit off-putting, but the scene plays out pretty nicely, and it's all very conventional and tied up in a nice little bow for mainstream audiences. And you know what? That's fine on some levels. I hope that a bunch of teenagers go see this film and add a ton of Queen songs to their playlists. And I could totally see this film becoming a midnight movie you go see after you 
have a couple bong hits. But this film was really not made for anyone with a knowledge of Queen or Freddie Mercury. The timeline anachronisms would be just a little too much for a true digger to handle. And what we see is the recreations of concerts are fun, but it will leave you longing to view the real thing and not a pretender. Of course, that's always going to be a problem in, with Hollywood's treatment of rock and roll. Because the people making these movies, they don't really get it, and it's not that hard. Just make a film that captures the spirit of the subject. And it's kind of the problem with Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a conventional biopic about a band that defies conventions. Until Hollywood can grasp that, we can just sit in the theater enjoying what we can of the rock and roll pretenders. Final rating, three stars. Thank you for joining me today on this wondrous occasion and our field trip to the cinemas. Feel free to send me your praise and angry rants at realrockpodcast.gmail.com and make sure you follow Rock and Roll Archaeology on all your social media gimmicks. And if you haven't been to the website in a while, go check it out. There's a total archives of this show as well as all the fine shows on our network as well as links to where you can donate on Patreon, pick up some swag at the Tea Republic store. Show your love. This is a movement. It's growing, people. I'm your host, the rock and roll reverend, Andy King, and this has been Real Rock, Bohemian Rhapsody. Scooter? Uh, yeah, Chief? Remind me to stop setting up these video conferences. They're not very productive. You got it. Sheesh. Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Real Rock is written by Andy King and produced by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Jerry Danielson. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information.